Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, Bobby. Here we are. This is almost part two of the last week's listener's choice. Part of this comes from the same conversation. Part of this comes from my brainstorming. But I, I, I came up with a title of customers don't want to buy your products. And when I say you, I mean the listener. Look, we're all selling something. Uh, we, we've been in tech sales for 40 years, Brian and I have, and we've sold a lot of different products from the CDs that, that had software on them to printers to phones to switches to wiring to lots of other stuff. Cause nobody's calling to buy a switch or a wire or a phone. They're calling to buy and enable their business to do something that they're unable to do today or is too expensive to do today, and they want to do it a little bit less. Uh, I was in another mentoring conversation, and they kept asking me for a way to convince a customer to buy their product when their product wouldn't solve the problem the customer was trying to solve for. Yeah. And I know there's other ways that the customer can solve that problem that they were talking about, but they kept going back to, well, I need to sell my product and I don't have that thing they're asking me for. So how do I do that, Bobby? And I said, well, what else would solve the product? The, the product problem that you have, what else would they be able to buy or do? And we started talking about other technologies and other ways and things they might already own that would do that and be easy to deploy and do. And he's like, well, I don't get paid for that. And I'm like, well, that doesn't matter. The customer doesn't care if you get paid and they don't want to buy your product. And it just kept coming back to, but it's not my thing. It's not my thing. People, that's why tech sellers have a bad rap for not listening to customers. That's why we don't partner well because we want to be the only person that's going to help a customer. And I don't, as good as Dell Technologies has built in their business around everything from the data center to the end user client, they still have a lot of gaps. Customers need stuff that they don't sell. And they always will. And so a Dell rep cannot manage everything without partnering or getting help from other people. And so I, t- I painted a vision for this guy uh, three times on what he needed to do with his virtual team. And it was all of what we talked about last week. It was, it was actually getting buy-in, you know, getting reset, and then either chasing the deal or walking away from the deal. And he, he heard me. I know he heard me. But we kept coming back to, but how do I get him to buy my product? And it's not about them buying your product. It's about them believing you're the right group to work with to solve the greater good. There will always be small pieces that we can't solve for. Yeah, and it's a tough it's a tough scenario because, again, like we talked about last week too, is everyone has a finite amount of time, and they may be concerned that like, hey, if this isn't a fit for me, and this is, and I'm not going to get a piece of this, it doesn't mean that you can't partner and help the extended team and get a notch in your belt there too. Um, and, and you need to know when to say I'm out. Like this is this is not me. This is you guys. It, so it, it certainly is a fine it certainly is a fine balance. But I think I think to your point, Bobby. I think folks sometimes take too small a view of what the customer is expressing the pain that's right in front of their face to be when a much broader view might expose a bigger opportunity for you. No doubt. And we've we've done episodes on sharing leads. There's all kinds of goodness that comes from this opportunity, even if I do have to step back. But, man, there's so many products, so many solutions. There's so many reasons to stay engaged. 
I got to think as a rep, as a solution specialist, as a partner, as a engineer, I could get, I could get really involved in this and be excited and get the customer excited. So to eliminate the product conversation from a, a holistic tech sales perspective, I'm going to dumb this episode down, Brian, and go back to one I've used in the past as well. And that's mowing the lawn. That's, this is, we're going to use a lawn care example to break down all the things that went wrong in this gentleman's conversations with the customer and really how we need to handle the conversations so that we understand we're not selling, we're not selling lawn care. I'm not selling you a lawn mower. I'm selling you the outcome that you really want. And that's got to be the yard of the month or pretty yard. It's funny. It, it is a simplified example for sure, but we've, we've got a yard crew that comes out on Thursdays on Wednesdays. And I, I swear I've like, we've got all these, these bushes and plants and we, you know, we just moved back to the States. So like we're hitting a time of year where actually plants and stuff can grow and are growing. And, um, we're having to like coordinate with two different lawn care companies to accomplish what we want done. And, and I swear I would pay probably a 50% premium if I could just deal with one person, you know, yeah, I, I think it's such a missed opportunity. So I think it's a very apt example. Well, and both of them probably do what the other ones may be able to do, but, it's not their core and they're, they're, yeah. they're seeing it change right there every week and they're not trying to figure out how to partner together and solve that problem. So let's assume that this is broken up into three parts. Like always, we got what the customer's asking us for is part one. What are we selling as part two? And then how can we repeat this process over and over without tricking the customer, but, but really finding deals, growing deals and making customers raving fans of our service. Yep. So in this example, we'll, we'll use Brian as the example here. Brian, you know, what are you, what are you asking for from these lawn care companies? You're asking them to simplify your yard care and take care of it. Just make it prettier. Don't let stuff grow over my house. I mean, there's some just easy things that everyone will understand, but the cut, the, the, the benders, they still do need to do due diligence on, are you asking us to water your yard or clean yeah, off you, your roof? I mean, there's all kinds of things that they need to understand. But you're simple. You're asking them for eliminate my burden of taking care of my yard. That's exactly it. Now, I may be asking for when I ask my tax guy, "Hey, can you can you do my taxes?" His question immediately back to me is, "Do you mean do you want me to file your return? Do you mean to help file the taxes on your business entities? Like what?" What, what is it you want me to do? And so sometimes it's it's not asking the right question when I'm asking the, and, and I think to your point, that is part of the due diligence of, in this case, my tax guy or the lawn care company to say, Brian, when you say you want me to mow the lawn, do you also want me to do the leaves in the fall? Do you want me to edge for you? How about shaping those bushes? Hey, I noticed that this, this lawn bed over here is ripe for some flowers and stuff. Um, you, you know, we can take care of that too. I can send a crew out here to take care of it. And, and all I said was, my I need my lawn mode, but really yeah. I would say yes to all of those things. No one no one's asking me, but I would I, I would say yes to every one of those things. As the buyer, you would say yes to all 100%. those things. And as the as the vendor, the person that mows yards, and you ask these questions, you might learn that your solution isn't a good fit. So yeah. just to play devil's advocate in this example, you tell me you've had people help you in the past, and they only used riding lawn mowers, and so you're not taking any bids from lawn care companies who only use riding lawnmowers. You want a 22-inch 
push or self-propel the bagging mower to be what's cutting your grass, right? Let's just say that's kind of those RFP minimum requirements and you uh, take a big swallowing gulp and say, oh, shucks, we only have riding lawnmowers. How am I going to solve this problem? Well, I mean, isn't that the case with every – it's the case with this guy's example. He didn't have part of the product, but he knew he could solve for it. So in that example – your lawn care example, I have I have options. I can go buy a 22-inch push lawnmower. Maybe I have a business reason that I'm not going to have any push lawnmowers. Maybe it's the way my trailers work. Maybe it's the way my team works. Maybe I've had bad luck. The maintenance is really high on those small mm-hmm. lawnmowers. I don't know, but I got decisions to make. Either I, either I meet the customer's demands of that, or what if I have a new riding lawnmower that's very different than the old one? And you make a commitment. Look, let me mow your yard once with a riding lawnmower yeah. for free. If it meets your needs of what you get out of the 22-inch riding lawnmower. I mean, do you just disqualify yourself, Brian? Is that is that what you're going to do to be a successful tech seller one day? Say, <laughs> oh, you're right. I don't have that. Got to go. Yeah, and there are times to do that, right? But I, I what our attempt is, and the RFP is such a perfect example for this because they're templatized. They probably downloaded them off the internet, or they hired a consulting company to build one at the company they were at before. And it's a cut and paste job from the previous one. But what our attempt is, is focusing on the outcome. What, what is it about? So we, we don't do RFPs without discovery. Hey, we noticed in the RFP that you, you require only push lawnmowers with a 22 inch blade, which by the way, is that a real thing? Is it 22 inch? Yeah, blade it is. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a dork. <laughs> so if you, uh, well, I, I should have guessed, but on that call, Hey, we noticed that you expressed that you only want a 22 inch blade, you know, that, that ingests in the, the, the lawn clippings. Uh, can you share more about that? What, what, out, what outcome is it you're looking to achieve? And that, that's where it becomes real, right? Well, here's the thing. We had a riding lawnmower in the first thing, uh, the first time, and it left big grooves in the yard, and then they would always crush our sprinkler heads with it. And so now, you're, now we're solutioning. Like now we're talking about what the real challenge is. The real challenge is not that they don't want a riding lawnmower. The real challenge is they don't want broken sprinkler heads and, and tire tracks over their lawn bed. And so we could probably solve that. And, and we have solutions for that. And don't forget, we could still buy the 22-inch push lawnmower if we wanted to. Or maybe I have a buddy who also does landscaping. who He has a couple of those. And he would show up as part of my team with my T-shirt on and just do that part of this for you. Because, as you said, you would say yes to a lot of other good stuff. Landscaping, mulching. Yep tree trimming, all kinds of stuff that we still get to do. Also, in this request, when they said do the yard, maybe an RFP form or not, they might have said, oh, yeah, I also need my driveway to be pressure washed. It's got, it's terrible. It's in terrible shape. Okay, are they only sole sourcing this through one person? Can I partner with a pressure washing company? Do I want to add pressure washing to my, to my business? This stuff might seem real basic in this example, but I'm telling you, I see tech sales reps struggle with this every day in the real world because they don't know what to do. They, they have to call a manager to ask for this. They can't, they can't take a deep breath, think about the problem, and ask the customer, well, how did your driveway get dirty? Like, oh, well, this flower bed doesn't have any edging on it, so this mulch gets washed out every time it rains, and then it sits on my driveway for three days, so it kind of turns it brown. Well, well, do you mind if I fix your flower bed? I can have a friend come pressure wash once. You'll never have to pressure wash it again. 
oh, great, you solved my problem. Like, you don't need to call your sales manager to say, hey, can we start doing pressure washing? Or can we start selling laptops? My customer would like to buy 12,000 laptops. This is the best opportunity in the world. We got to start selling laptops. Right. And, and by the way, the problem you're going to have if you approach it this way is you're going to have such a big piece of their spend that you're going to start, have to start having challenging conversations about, okay, we've got a little scope creep here. I've got a full-time mm-hmm. lawn guy, you know, like out, out effectively full-time taking care of my lawn, which is a great position to be in, of course. Well, again, let's start with this is part one of this podcast. Right. The customer's asking us to make their yard look good. They're pointing out all these little things that might make their yard look bad. We got to teach them how to solve for it so that they don't have to pay me to pressure wash their driveway every month. Yeah. And then I don't have to add that to my business. And I've solved for them what they're asking for. So now what are we selling? We're selling our experience. It's not it's not the widget. It's not the laptop. It's not the lawn being mowed. It, we're selling our experience. That's what customers, that's why they always need a sales rep. Google can tell me a lot of information about two products, but they can't tell me what it really did for a business just like mine or what it did for the business just like mine that the solution was completely terrible for. And why was it completely terrible? I think that's the key here. In part one, we talk about what's the customer asking us for uh, to eliminate their pain of taking care of their lawn and making it pretty. And what are we selling? We're selling not lawn care. We're selling our experience about solving for their problems and reducing their overall spend to maintain their yard because that's what's going to make us their trusted advisor, their long-term partner. So we're either selling a solution, a service, a product, but we're really selling all those things, and every time we've ever implemented them, our experience around the implementations. Yep. So in this example, again, mowing, you know, we don't have the small mowers. We've talked about that. We solve that. We either partner, we outsource it, we buy the small mower. Probably unrealistic to add new mowers to our fleet, blah, blah, blah. You know, but this is where you start talking to the customer. If I did 60% of the work, could I be your point guy, Brian? If one of those two lawn care guys said, look – I'll run it. You give me 60% of your spend. I'll lead the charge and put 20% on top of it. And I'll start managing this other group. Please. You just have to talk to me. Please. And, and I'll give you English. Yeah, please. And I'll give you 5% extra. If we don't have to talk on the phone, if you could just text me, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you an extra 5%. Yeah. And just, I'll start adding on stuff as needed. You just let me know if you want me to stop doing those totally. things like cleaning gutters and washing windows and pressure washing the yard, whatever, you know, you just start adding the stuff on. It truly is. I am an experienced yard care guy and I'm going to solve your problem. You asked me to maintain your yard. I'm going to maintain it. We're going to get the pressure washing done and then we're going to fix your flower bed. So it's not a problem anymore. Core business or not, I'm still going to be able to solve that. And in that case, I think if I'm really a lawn care guy, I'm going to outsource that to somebody. I'm going to call them, get a bid, ask them to do it, mark it up a little bit, and it's a one-time thing. That should happen more in tech, and it just doesn't. Why do you think partners don't partner like really partner like that, Brian, um, on deals in tech? Uh, I would say, I'd say one. There's they're afraid. Okay, I don't I don't have enough time to do that. Like, I got, I got, I'm chasing a lot of deals. If this thing isn't a fit for me, I've just got to, I got to keep going. I got to move on. I agree. So that's, that's one reason. I think another reason is that they're afraid they're not going to make the same amount of commission if they're not selling it themselves. That's, that's why fair. everybody that ever, everybody I've ever managed came to me with a, can we do this 
story. Yeah. And it was so great for the company. They don't realize how much it costs the company to take on a new product set, to train people, to operationally figure out how they're going to do it, to build contracts for that. You know, there's no money to be made in that. They're just looking for their one commission check. Yeah, we talked about in the last episode, you're not probably not on the hook for managed cost of sale. If you want to start talking about how easy it would be to add a new product to your company, um, then, then get ready to start managing the cost of sale. No question. So we partner, and, and, and the other thing there, I think the third thing that really scares tech sellers today is, man, I want to have account control. If I introduce this pressure washer guy and then I'm not there on the day he's pressure washing, he's going to steal all my business. Well, is he or is she? Because you've you've brought them a deal. All you got to do is create some rules of engagement, maybe some a, a partnering one pager that says you'll do this. You won't try and resell them other things. You won't introduce other lawn care people. I mean, it's work, but man, it's a lot easier than adding a whole new set of products to your business. Um, so I think you shouldn't be as afraid in the tech sales world about partnering and turning these solutions over and solving customers' problems because they are going to love you for it. Just like Brian would love a, a, a lawn care guy to take over everything, they would love it. That's why you could get repeat business. And they'll call you for every problem they ever have. And it's not lost on us that this is lawn care is a commoditized business in, in many cases. Um, I think the, the, the point of it is, well, hopefully everyone understands the broader point here. It, we we're, we are oversimplifying the point, but at the core, it, it's really about listening to what they're saying and then digging and peeling that onion back to, to fully understand. When I'm asking for that, that lawn care system, really what I'm looking for is to outsource my lawn. And of course, there's a number that's palpable and, and not palpable, right? Like they can't say it's $1,000 a month. Just as your customer wouldn't say, oh yeah, heck yeah. We want all the systems. Give us all the systems. Give us all the software. We, we fully understand it's not going to be that way. But the, the further you can start playing back those onions to understand what the real core problem is, then you can start kind of thinking about what does that business case look like. Completely agree. The one thing that I'll highlight in, that's going through my head here is pressure washing is, a, is an ancillary component to lawn care for sure. And in tech, this happens all the time. They're buying laptops. They're buying. They're buying a new Microsoft agreement. They're buying either new wireless infrastructure to run with those laptops in their building, and kind of on the way out, they're like, "Oh, and we're buying new headsets for the phones too. We have like fourteen hundred of those in this building, and another twelve hundred in remote offices. Do you guys sell headsets? Well, that's if I've won all this other piece. Just this add-on seems real sexy at that point, right? But it's not as sexy as the pain that goes along with it, especially if you don't have all that experience that we said we were, we're really selling them our experience, not a widget, not a phone, not a headset. We're selling the experience. What if the phones go in first and it goes really bad? Right? Sure. Whoa. Well, and then they it's cancel all the risk. other contracts. Yeah, yeah. They cancel all the other contracts. Like, who wants to do that? Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I use that example because it's happened to me. So... Think about the pressure washing as a, I don't want to say no to it because if the, the customer might stop asking me about it, but I should be asking the why. And if I found out the flower beds broke and that is in my core business and I solve for that and outsource the pressure washing, I'm going to be a hero to that customer. So yeah. you can't say no over and over and over to, because the customer is going to go find the help yeah. for sure. Yeah. In the same light, if you don't get good at partnering, you're going to miss it, and the customer's going to find other things to, to, to solve their problems. 
and you're not going to be in control. So you should learn how to partner. You're going to, you're going to lose a lot more if you don't learn how to do that. Yep. Agreed. So the, the big final portion of this podcast is how do I do this over and over again from, from lawn to lawn? How do I grow my business? How do I, as an account executive, I've marketed, I get a few leads. I'm meeting these customers. How do I keep doing it over and over again? And I think it's a lot of what we talked about last week, Brian. I think, I think we've got to get buy-in from the customer. You're the customer in this lawn care example. You know, would would you be willing to pr- hear a proposal via text message on how I can do this for you weekly throughout the year? You'll never have to worry about your yard again. You might spend a little bit more money, but I promise you'll see the value. Would you Would you hear it? Absolutely. And then I got to go do, and I got to get so I got to get buy-in from the pressure washer and the landscape guy, and I'm the lawn care guy. And I got to get everybody together and agree on how we're going to run the project all year round and then present a good solution to the customer. That's what we talked about all last week. If you do that, you're going to win and you're going to repeat it over and over again. Now, the downside is what if I just do lawn care? Well, you're not going to, your deals won't be bigger and you might be good, but you'll probably be average at best. And that's why it goes back to that strategy meeting up front. We, in this hypothetical scenario, we talked about you know, two gaps. One, maybe just a, a scope. Maybe your team doesn't offer the full scope the prospect is looking for. The second thing we talked about is they may be looking for a 22-inch blade mower, not a riding, riding lawn mower. But your your point back to the pursuit team could say, look, guys, I know that the RFP document said they need a, you know, only a push lawn mower, but we had a strategy conversation with, with the prospect. And it turns out that that was just a misunderstanding. They just, they wanted some other things solved. And then, then you're not having to like convince the team of how great the deal is, and, and you're you're being very proactive about it. I guess is the point, rather than teams like ah, oh, but we don't even do that. Why, why do we want to pursue this? We don't even want to do that. I don't want to build a custom demo for this person. Like that, we don't even yeah. do what they want well, us to do. Help. Yeah. The other, the other part of that too that I really didn't think about for this episode, but if we want to repeat this. Man, this is this is also a really good time to get some customer references, right? So, Brian, if I did all this and you accepted my deal and you liked the way I did it, how many other people would Brian know that has a yard and might be frustrated with their yard people, right? Hey, Brian, would you be happy to, would you be willing to refer me to a couple of your friends? Have I done a good job? Have I earned that? Do I get five stars? I mean, how few of times do we see tech sellers asking for that? It's in literally every one of the evaluation plans that we run. It's upon a successful project, can we get commitment from you that you'll be a reference customer? Yeah, and I would say the referrals on top of that. And then what can we do to continue to make you a raving fan, right? I mean, it's a great opportunity to ask for something back once you've nailed it for the customer. So let's talk a little bit about Tech Sales Lab. We've not mentioned them in a couple weeks. They have sponsored the last dozen shows for us. They're a great partner. If you have a friend or a family member that wants to get into tech sales, has zero experience, Tech Sales Lab has a pathway program to get them into the tech sales industry, money back guaranteed that they'll get a job in tech if they do all the work. And they also have some master's programs that uh, Brian mentioned the 10K last week. There's a lot of courses out there in the master's program. If you're already in tech sales and you want to get better, uh, go out and check techsaleslab.com. Look at their master's programs. If the course that you want or the topic you want and covered out there, shoot those guys a note and they will build that content for you. 
uh, and make sure it's available to tech sellers. It is really the only place with a platform and people to get you into tech sales with no experience. Yeah, we did this last week, Bobby. We'll do it again this week. If uh, the top three people, the first three people that request access to the 10K program, we'll give the first three folks a promo code to get it for free. Awesome. So now let's wrap up the episode. Uh, If we're a professional seller and we're building our sales brand, we've got to learn and know how to approach customers by not selling our product. It is not about the product. It is about solving customers' problems. And if you get really good at that, you'll be able to sell because people will keep calling you back forever. Um, and, and we do that by understanding what the customer's asking us for, understanding what we're trying to sell. It's not the lawn care. It's not the product. It's not we, We're trying to sell our experience and our vision for helping them be successful to accomplish their bigger goal nice yard, not having to mess with it, having one throat to choke, whatever those things add up to be, that's what we're doing. And then we got to learn how to build a guide for our team, no matter what role we're in, to get the buy-in from the team, all that we talked about last week, get the buy-in, reset, and win, or escalate and maybe walk away. But don't ever do that if you are the core rep. So wash, repeat, and then win over and over and over again. I think people that do these two weeks of of listening and executing, Brian, they won't be average. We hate average. Average is the enemy. And I got to say it. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.